listening to a Woodside Church my, my podcast. For more information, uh, we visit woodsidechurch.com. On, uh, on the other part of Woodside Church, which is meets on Sunday mornings at uh, Putno, uh, we've we've pinched Hudson today. Did you know that? Uh, so so this is this is this is like a pulp. If you know Hudson leads the the site here and leads the team here, so we've done a bit of a what do they call it? A pulpit swap. So that's what they care. That's what they used to say, didn't they? Back in the day. And so we, uh, so Hudson's uh, speaking this morning as part of our vision series. And uh, we started a week ago. But you had baptisms last week, didn't you? Four baptized? Fantastic. I heard there was just short of 200 people in this room. Isn't that remarkable? It's only a few years that, that this congregation started in this area. And so we're so thrilled about all that God's doing. Thank you to all those that serve so faithfully. I bumped into someone, I won't mention their name, but I think in the space of a 30-second conversation, they mentioned about four different teams that they serve on. Uh, and I know that could be replicated throughout the family here. So thank you so much for, for uh, all that you do. If you don't know, Woodside is a family that is on two locations currently. Uh, and uh, I get the privilege of leading the, the wider team, uh, but Hudson and his team really serve you guys here. And so we're, we're, yeah, we're thrilled to be part of a, a wider family. And it gives, it's my, um, my role today to really talk about a bit about a vision, if you like. We've called this a Vision Sunday. And you should have been handed a booklet on the way, on the way in, were you? Okay. I mean, you've got to be grateful for that booklet, because if you hadn't have been given that, this would have been about a two-and-a-half-hour preach. Okay, it's going to, it might be a little bit longer than normal anyway, but just so you know, there's so much we wanted to convey to us all together. Uh, we've called it Multiply 22. Uh, the reason for that is simply that the theme of multiplication, multiplying disciples, multiplying leaders, multiplying ministries, multiplying groups, multiplying sites, multiplying churches, multiplying nations, it feels like that, that flows very well with who we are together. But there are three words that I'd like to focus on this morning, and those three words are community, mission, and legacy. Community, mission, legacy. And what I'd like to do is look at two pictures of the church. One is a picture that we find in Scripture, in the early church. In fact, we want to look at a church in Antioch, uh, in look at uh, Acts 11 and Acts 13, look at the picture of this remarkable church. But also I want to look at the picture of church that we forgot has spoken to us prophetically. So we, we really believe that Jesus is leading his church. Uh, my role and others' role is just looking to, together to catch hold of all that God is doing. Almost, uh, I thought this in the worship, my role is to stand out of the way and let him lead. Or best, encourage us to follow him. You know, we are caught up in what Jesus is doing. And so we want to look at what Scripture tells us about a picture of church, but also we want to look at what God, we, we believe, as God has said prophetically, particularly over the last 10 years. Uh, and in your booklets, we've got lots of those prophetic words, some I will mention today. But let's start first at the picture of church in Antioch. Remarkable place. Remarkable story. So church in Antioch... The background to this church was a time of incredible challenge. Uh, they had a period of success in Jerusalem. This is where these people originated from, in Jerusalem. But the church uh, had 
uh, opposition from the authorities to the extent that we, it's recorded the first ever Christian martyr, a man called Stephen, he's, he gave his life for the cause of Christ. And then there was persecution to the, to the new church, this embryonic group of believers. And they were so persecuted that in the end they scattered from Jerusalem and thousands left that city and spread across different parts of that area of the world. And some of them ended up in a place called Antioch. It was a dark period for the life of the church, and they fled for their lives. In fact, planted in many different nations, so many different places. And then some found themselves in Antioch. And when we look at the church in Antioch, the remarkable thing is, is they didn't pull back, they didn't shrink back, they didn't denounce their faith, they, they didn't give up. In fact, they did the complete opposite. In God, they did remarkable things. And we see this church in Antioch established. We see, see impact in the locality. We see uh, not only did they reach uh, the Jewish people, but they also reached the Greek people. It was a real breakout from what had been done before. They broke new ground in the leaders they rose up. They had a, had a team which was full of different people from different backgrounds and different ethnicity. Uh, they were tremendously generous. It's a remarkable story. And we'll read it in a moment. It came from great challenge. It came from persecution, but then it resulted in great blessing. And we see these two contrasts, and it's helpful, particularly in the current days that we're finding ourselves in, to see how God uses these moments. Uh, I'm no great reader, as those of you who know me well uh, would, would uh, testify, but Charles Dickens, who I have heard of, uh, is a famous English writer. He wrote the, the book, The Tale of Two Cities. He wrote this opening sentence in The Tale of Two Cities. He said this, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch, which means season, of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was a season of light. It was a season of darkness. It was the spring of hope it was the winter of despair. See, Charles Dickens has this way of describing how life can be two things at once. And this certainly would describe the early believers. Great challenge and great difficulty, yet remarkable blessing. But we can relate to those things on some level, can't we? We have come through, we trust we've come through, uh, one of the worst natural disasters in history. Globally, you know, we all move on, don't we? I had a, I had a COVID vaccination on Friday. I'm, I'm over 50, I can do that, you see. Uh, and so I, I got, you know, and I've had me, I think it's me fourth. Uh, I don't know, I'm like, I feel like a pincushion now, you know. Uh, but we, we trust we're through that. Um, but we also now we're, we're impacted with, with global things happening in the world. We're a terrible war in Ukraine. We've got lots of new friends now, haven't we, amongst us? Uh, some here, some on the other side who are from Ukraine. They've escaped from terrible, terrible situations. You may have heard some of their stories. We've got the global economic pressure that we're all, all facing. And uh, yet we can see God on the move amongst us. We see four people baptised last week. We see this whole pact with people. We hear Lena's story. 
we see these young people coming through. We think, actually, it's the, it's the worst of times. But actually, we could believe it's also the best of times. When I shared this last Sunday, uh, David Demnish, one of the leaders, he prayed this prayer very simply. He said this, we have problems on either side, yet we believe you are on the move. Summarize is where we are. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not ignorant. We're not trying to trying to say oh, everything's okay. No, they're, they're, these are challenging days. Yet we're not without hope. And we see in Scripture this example of, of a place where 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 they were in desperate situation. Yet God brought great blessing. We see this amazing community which goes on mission and builds a legacy for the future. Let me read to you from Acts. 11, Acts 13, which talks about this church in Antioch. Just capture the story. We're not gonna, I'm not going to unpack all the verses. You'll be pleased to know it's quite a long text. It's just one line I'm going to land on. But just listen to the story. Acts 11. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, where people had scattered from, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So they they heard this remarkable work of God, so they're sending leaders to help in Antioch. When he had arrived, when Barnabas had arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, sometimes called Paul in the New Testament. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. What was happening there was of such remarkable blessing that Barnabas got there. He was encouraged. He thought, I need to get Saul. I need help. I need to get one of the apostles. And so Paul or Saul came to join. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And this interesting, this interesting line, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, love that phrase, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And Acts 13 verse 1 picks up the story of the church in Antioch with these words. Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, They placed their hands on them and sent them off. Remarkable church, remarkable community, remarkable church on a mission. Not only did they go on mission in their locality, but it became the church planting base for Paul and Barnabas as they were sent off to plant into other towns and cities and nations. And remarkable legacy, remarkable work that not only invested 
then, but had long-lasting impact. But in the midst of all that amazing stuff, which, if I'm honest, is both an encouragement and a challenge, it's, it's inspiring, it's something that we as a, a church are, are, are looking to imitate, looking to see that as a model church, I'm more challenged than anything else. Remarkable church in Antioch. But within all those great expansive things, it's this simple phrase, the disciples are called Christians, first at Antioch. See, disciples or discipleship, many of you would know, is just a word that describes Someone who is following someone else. If you're a disciple, you're looking to imitate someone else. You're looking to copy someone else. If you like to be an apprentice of someone else. So disciple in this context was a way of describing someone who was imitating, copying, being shaped by following Jesus. Being an apprentice to Jesus. See, we are all following someone, aren't we? We're all influenced by people around us. When I read this, I thought, well, who, who am I influenced by? Who have I been shaped by? Maybe a number of us have got uh, different people that we could say, well, actually, they're, they're my top three people that I think have shaped me or who are shaping me. I wonder who that would be for you. Interesting, on the, on the Putno site, uh, we've had a lot of people join us recently uh, that I knew 20, 30 years ago. And people have come up to me and said, you know, you do remind me of your father which is a real compliment. I, I take that as a compliment. My dad's a great man and been a great example. But we're all shaped by different people, aren't we? You know, there's, there's some trends around. Uh, I mean, the, the, the whole word an influencer has become something in our vocabulary uh, and obviously social media and the internet has enabled people to be influencers globally. Uh, I, I came across from my, one of my daughters, actually, uh, Mrs. Hinch. Yes, there's a mmm, there's a mmm in the room. Mrs. Hinch, anyone heard of Mrs. Hinch? I'm not saying you're missing out, okay, okay. But if, you, if my daughter, our daughter Esther was here, you, she'd be saying, you're missing out, you're missing out. I think Mrs. Hinch, is, she's just got lots of hints and tips and, and hacks for, for, for doing for things around the home. I think that's, is that what it is? And if you're, if you're into Mrs. Hinch, you're actually called a hincher. Did you know that? They're so shaped and so influenced. Uh, I remember a few years ago, there was a, uh, there was a book that some of the, the young mums and dads were following by a lady called Gina Ford. Yeah, there's a few other notes. And it was like, unless Gina Ford says it, we're not doing it. You know, and I'm thinking, have we ever had children before in this world? Have there ever been? Oh, no, Gina Ford said it. Now, Gina Ford might be brilliant. I've not read the book, so please. I'm not saying she's good or bad or indifferent. But it's interesting how, how we are influenced by people. I mean, this happens right across uh, the, um, the spectrum of, of ages. Uh, I mean, we, who, do you know who believers are? Yes? Who's a believer? Yes, Lena? Lena? Who's, are you a believer? What does it mean? It's someone who follows. No, believer. Sorry. It's someone who follows Justin. Be Thank you. See, Tox is a big fan of Justin Bieber. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's what we've really discovered this morning. Okay, well, who, who are mixers then? People who follow Little Mix. Uh, that's all I've got. So, so you may have your own. But joking aside, we are all shaped and influenced. 
from people. Andrew Wilson, I haven't got it on the screen, but Andrew Wilson, who's, one, who's a well-respected teacher, said this, there are a number of people in your life and mine who are conforming us into their likeness, whether we like it or not, because of the degree of influence they have over us and the amount of time we spend imitating them and being shaped by their ways. So you have this description of the disciples were called Christians at Antioch. See, the reason why they were called Christians is because they were so shaped by Christ that the people around them said, yeah, yeah, you're disciples, but you're, you're like Jesus-y people, or you're like Christies, or you're Christian-like people. The word Christian is only used three times in the New Testament, where disciple is used everywhere. And sometimes we can think that the word disciple is the, is the really serious word. Oh, I'm a disciple. Actually, that's a very common word in, in when this was written. The rare word was Christian. It was made before us. Christian is the, is the most common word. But what they were trying to say is these believers... It wasn't that they planted churches. It wasn't that they reached those around them. It wasn't that they raised up leaders. It wasn't that they were generous, remarkably generous, or whatever it might be. They were all those things. But first and foremost, they were Christies. They were Christian-like people. And that shaped them and that formed them and got them caught up into his purposes. That's at the heart of this amazing church. So when I come on a Sunday morning, I don't get a chance to come here so often. I'm so, so thrilled. I look around, I see the life of Christ amongst us as a people. Amen. I hear about four people baptised last week in this hall, grand packed. I look around and I see, see young people being discipled and developed. I, I hear stories, sorry to say, I stories of remarkable transformation. See, I know we've called this a Vision Sunday. I have mixed feelings about the word Vision Sunday, if I'm honest, because we don't follow a vision. We follow a saviour. That's why we gather. Now, yeah, we believe that saviour has said some things to us. We want to make sure we're following all that Christ is saying and leading us in. But actually, this isn't about following a vision. I trust you hear my heart. It's about following a saviour. So we see this remarkable... Uh, picture of church in the New Testament. We also do see Jesus speaking to us prophetically. And I'd like to look at some of those with you at the moment. While uh, I was on sabbatical uh, a few months ago now, uh, someone came up to me recently and said, you still doing well after your sabbatical? I'm thinking, I better say yes to this. Because, uh, you know, sabbaticals come once in a while, and I'm very grateful for it. We had a, a great break. Dawn and I uh, were able to spend some time uh, traveling, and so Dawn was able to arrange her work pattern to enable that. We had a wonderful time. But one of the things that we heard, one of the phrases I felt was a prophetic phrase to us and to the church, was a guy by a guy called Steve Nicholson. And he said... Less rowing, more sailing. What he was talking about is, you know, churches and Christians sometimes spend a lot of time rowing hard, working hard, rather than catching the wind of the Spirit and being propelled along in the direction that Christ has for us. That's a, a better understanding of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like putting up yourselves and allowing the wind of the Spirit to propel you, to give you the strength and the resource and everything you need, but propelled in a particular direction. 
Less rowing, more sailing. I am very grateful that, uh, certainly, and also leaders before me, it's been the same, that as a church here, we've always been keen to catch the wind of the Spirit. We've been involved in planting a number of churches. We planted the King's Arms Church. Many people don't realize that. We started a work in the poor, from the poor from Woodside Church. We planted churches and helped serve churches planting in the Midlands in the UK. We also were involved in helping planting churches in the Russian-speaking world, in the Middle East, and in Central Asia. There's a great story that we could tell of God's work, God's faithfulness amongst us. Even the last 10 years, we had a big building project on the Putno site. We started something called Project 41, which is serving our local community in Bedford. And of course, we planted this. Or well, you planted this. Uh, and so we have much to celebrate over the last 10 years. But as we look back on those last 10 years, we see this theme that God is beginning to unpack. Community, mission, legacy. Let me read you some of the prophetic words that have come through in the last 10 years. One talked about focusing on what sort of community we'd be like, be called, uh, would be like, uh, was about rebooting Woodside. This is about when we returned from lockdown. And this is what Jonathan Moore wrote or said, God is rebooting Woodside to get the essential things in the right place and in the right order. What if God has given us the chance to reset things, reevaluate and reestablish priorities and doesn't want us to get back to normal? This, we felt at the time, led us to, to focus on the importance of being community together, always being important to us. We felt even more so we need to make sure we're community together not given into consumerism, individualism, which just, just tries to feed into the church as a whole all the time, and a place where everyone is playing their part. So, so there was a real emphasis on being community life. It's not about what happens on the platform. That's just what I loved about what happened this morning and looking around and knowing how many people are involved in who, what we do as church. We don't think it's a performance. We don't think you guys come to consume. We are family together. And I love that we have entered into that. And it's always been so much a part of who we are as a church. Secondly, in terms of this community, there was a word. It was actually something that I felt God speak to me about, about equipping and releasing the church family. From Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, these verses about the body of Christ, the church being released to be all that God's called her to be. So God's spoken really clearly about what sort of community we're to be together. But also over the years, God's talked to us about mission. Back in 2011, so more than 10 years ago, a guy called Nigel Dix prophesied this, went like this. God is realigning or resetting our DNA, reminding us of where we've come from, what our heritage is, and our heritage is a story of mission and church planting. God is talking about us being a planting and multiplying church, not standing still, but on the move. I remember, for those of you who were around, when we had our building project, there was a word by a guy called Brian Gibbons, who some of you will know well, about us being a mother church, where, where this mother church would raise up more leaders that would birth new things. A good friend called Adrian Horner, who we would recognize as an Ephesians 4 prophet, he's based in one of our churches in Kettering, great friend of ours, Adrian shared this with us back in 2018. 
I see a release of leaders, sowing into them and then releasing and sending. This is part of Woodside's heritage. I see a school of leadership with on-the-job discipleship, church planting training. God has given you grace for raising leaders of other nations locally and in other nations too. I see this next season for you is all about leadership development, of raising, coaching and releasing leaders at home and overseas. English leaders, but also grace for other nationalities. In fact, it's multiplication of leaders, not additions. Now I often see three years ahead, the next season has some goodbyes and a whole phase of leaders to emerge under you. Also see a season of increasing visibility influence in Bedford too. Success in social action opens doors. We see this community. We see this mission. And lastly, we see legacy coming through. One of the things that Dawn and I were impacted on as we traveled to different churches and spoke to different leaders in different contexts on my sabbatical, we spoke a lot about the next generations coming through. Uh, many of the younger generations were hit hard by, if you like, the lockdown period or the COVID years. It was brutal, particularly for young families and young people. Uh, and we've noticed that in our own situation, but talking around to other churches, all experienced very similar. But we also talked about the, the next generations, if you like, the millennials and the Gen Zs, some would call them. I, I just like to think of the uh, 20s and 30s and the teens, you know, I can, I can understand that. Uh, but recognising that the challenges they face in the world they are growing up in now is completely different to the world, certainly, that I grew up in. And so the ways we used to do things, the way we serve those generations historically, we may have to look a bit different going forward. Now, I don't mean a change of values. I don't mean those things. But I do mean understanding the next generations and recognizing that their world is totally different. For those of us who are a little bit older in the room, just imagine never not knowing a world without a smartphone that can access the global world at a touch of a button. That's a, that's a, that really is a game-changing thing. It's, I mean, just the impact of mental health and anxiety for those generations is, is, is a, it's a terrible situation. And we are doing some great things as a church family, as, as are other churches. So it's not like we're doing nothing, but we, I really feel how we serve these next generations is going to be very important. And we've already begun to talk to Dawn and I, particularly wanting to link with some of those age groups, to, to understand, to listen, so we can serve them to the best of our ability. Something we've always, we've always been a family church, but just recognizing that this is a different world that people are growing up in, and we've got to make sure that we're adapting and serving and bringing Christ to them in a way that, that is going to bless them and strengthen them. The great thing is we have so many people in those generations amongst us. I mean, look at the guys leading us this morning. It's not like all it's not like it's a desert situation, but we're recognizing the importance. So, and this is about legacy. As we invest in those, those ages, we're building for the future. Some of the prophetic words that have come through, uh, Ruth Byfield, who's based on the other site, uh, uh, said this, I was at a 20s church last night. The Holy Spirit spoke to me two words, emerge and invest. 
In fact, one of our leaders, many of you will know Ollie Hearn, our, our youth pastor. Ollie uh, brought this word uh, just a few months ago. He said this, I was reminded of the song Hosanna, and having listened to it a few times, have found it really building my faith. When looking at the lyrics, one verse really stood out to me. It goes like this. I see a generation rising up to take their place with selfless faith, with selfless faith. I see a near revival stirring as we pray and seek. We're on our knees, we're on our knees. I just sense that as you worship, talking to me, and we express your adoration, as well as lead groups to pray on their knees, that a new generation of equipped people will naturally arise. Ones that will go on to plant sites into areas where others have tried and not been successful, and places that others could never have dreamed of. I thought God say, trust me and glorify me, and you won't be able to go too wrong. I love that from one of our young leaders. So we feel God's spoken to us. We feel this picture of church is inspiring and challenging all at once. We realize that we're in a place, a context where it's the worst of times, but we're believing God it's the best of times as well. We look around, we see God is alive amongst us. So we're not without hope. We have some challenges, but we're not without hope. So what I'd love to do is just talk through some things we want to do in light of these things. And uh, we'll put it on the screen. It's like a pyramid shape. Um, I always look there, but of course it's here I should be looking. Um, can you see that? Let me, this is in your sheets as well. Let me just talk through some of the things that we feel, how we apply this together. The first one, the bottom base, is Woodside Church Rebooted. This is about community life. This is about everyone release. It's about Sunday celebration. Yes, as we gather, it's about making disciples. It's about all of those things. It's also about how we care for our local community. We want to play a part in how we respond to the cost of living crisis that we're seeing around us. I'm grateful for the things that have been announced uh, about the, if you like, the freeze on, on, um, on fuel and those things but I still am anticipating, as probably you are, that these are going to be challenging days ahead. So see, there's some of the things that, that we are already looking to do. Uh, we're looking to, we're talking to the council. In fact, they approached us as well as us. We had, we had thought this as well. Uh, and we want to set, uh, have you heard of a warm hub? Have you heard of a warm hub? Okay, a warm hub is, is when, when, when organizations open up their building uh, to enable that other people can come without putting their own central heating on or their own heating can come and use a building that already has its heating on or is choosing to put its heating on. And so we want to open up the Putno uh, uh, site. Obviously, that's our own building, so we, can, we have the, the, the freedom to do that. And I think, it's, I think a couple of afternoons or, and a morning a week, we've been able to create space to do that. So we want to do that, and we're in communication with the local council. We're looking to do that with a number of buildings across the town. So we want to open up a warm-up. It's a lot more cost-effective to do it that way rather than people to heat up their own homes. We're, we're expecting it's going to be difficult for people. We're also um, encouraging people to purchase electric shawls or electric blankets. Have you heard of these? I think uh, your, Connie, your Adam mentioned this uh, as well. If you buy, buy electric, these electric blankets, Dawn's bought me one already uh, because I get cold. Uh, it's probably because of my hair's a little bit thin on top. I don't know. But, but I get cold and Dawn is, uh, Dawn is always hot. So, so I, I didn't mean to say it quite like that. But, um, 
Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, uh, but for 7p an hour, uh, you, can, you can be toasty. I, I've been cuddling up on this thing and it's been fantastic. <laughs> I said, I've got an old man, don't know, I realise. Uh, but I just want to say, if you cannot afford to purchase, I th- these are like 30 or 40 pounds. If, you, if that, is a, that is difficult for you, please tell us because we want to we wanna buy that for you. As of just a simple, practical way alongside other things we want to do. In fact, we've noticed over the last 12, 18 months that there have been more people in financial crisis. And so we've helped people financially more so than we've done in previous years. Uh, and, and so uh, we just want to make, make, make you aware that if you can't get those electric blankets, please let us know. We're also going to have a special Christmas offering for the cost of living crisis this year. This year, That's going to be the focus. Uh, so we wanted to make you aware of that. So we're, Woodside Church Rebooted is looking like this. The other thing we want to announce today, and I'm looking to see it. Oh, they are here. Uh, is uh, I, I'd like to talk about the, the Apong family. Um, I think we have a photograph of the Apong family. There you go. Now, now I realize... Sorry, Sam, you're a bit bigger than that. I apologize. You've, you've grown up since then. Um, so I wanted to, I mean, this, we're thrilled about this news. We want to share with the family. Uh, uh, Felix uh, has been uh, joining the, the eldership team, sitting in on our meetings, being very much involved in the heart of all of what we're involved in for some while now. And we really feel the grace of God on him to be recognized as an elder. Uh, now, how this works in, in, in local churches, we believe the New Testament model is, is, is actually we're all involved in this process. So we don't impose leadership. We're part of how we do this together. And so we have people who give us oversight that we that are inputting into this situation. The local team, of course, or the current team is involved, but also the church family is involved. So we would like to propose that we recognize uh, in some time uh, in the future, uh, not too far away, but sometime in the future, no date planned as yet, that we recognise uh, Felix to be an elder and join the eldership team. And we'd love to have feedback um, uh, on that. Uh, we are so enriched by what Felix brings to us as a team, as a church family. He's a wonderful pastor. He's a wonderful pastor. And it's interesting, since he began to connect with the team, it's like he's always been in the room. Uh, and uh, I'm sure Tim and others would uh, affirm that. And so I just wanted to share that with the family. We're really excited. I would also say that there are, it's, it's not just Felix. Joyce is an amazing woman, one of our trustees, and a great family. Uh, and so we are really blessed to have them as a family. But just wanted to, to share that news. Uh, we were excited about how God is enriching us with these people with different stories and different gifts and different backgrounds. So that's also happening as part of the Woodside putting that community thing in place. Okay? Yes? You're very quiet. Is that okay? They're far more noisier. They, they barrack me. Maybe they know me and they, they, they know they can get away with that. I don't know. Okay, fantastic. On top of that, on top of that foundation, we want to invest in and release the next generation. I've mentioned that, so I won't go into too much detail. We really feel we want to make sure that we're investing well into that generation, recognizing the unique challenges they, that they're, they're facing, listen to them. We're so grateful we have so many already in that demographic. Thirdly, building on that foundation, thirdly, we want to have a, a, a new uh, future, for future leaders, a new training base 
at Woodside. We want almost like a leadership pipeline. We feel God is speaking to us about multiplication, and that needs more leaders to be trained and equipped and released. And we're looking to having it as a, like a residential base. So people would be, what I mean by that is it won't be just a course that people join, it'd be something that become part of the church family. Something we've, we've actually done already. We've got Hudson's flying through, isn't he? Doing an amazing job. We've got a guy called Luke Clements who's on the Putnam site as a young leader coming through. We want to look to raise up more younger leaders as we go forward. Next, we want to have a training fund that will enable us to bring these new leaders through. Now, something we're not going to open yet, but we want to have at some point in the future, we want to have a, almost like a ring-fenced uh, training fund that we grow that will help us to uh, release and bring on board onto the staff team these leaders that we want to train in order to plant churches. Uh, I'd be in my, on my sabbatical, I spoke to a number of different churches that have done things very similar. And they, over a 10-year period, they've had numbers of leaders coming through. We want to do something similar to that. Now, in order to do, have a training fund, we feel we need to make sure that our local general finances are strong, and I'll come to that in a moment. But at some point, we want to encourage people, if they're able to, 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 to give into that training fund area as, a, as a, like an exclusive area as we look to bring these leaders through. Number five, we want to multiply congregations or multiply sites instead of multiplying services. So what I mean by that is we, on the Putno sites, we have one service at the moment at 10 o'clock. We used to have a 9 o'clock and an 11 o'clock. And so we've been had lots of discussions as number, numbers grow, and they are growing uh, quite significantly now. Uh, we've been discussing, well, do we want to go to two meetings? And we feel that is not the right direction for us to take. Uh, it'd be like if we apply to, 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 to this setting, as this number grows, do we think the right way forward is to go to two meetings on Great Den number nine and 11? How would you all feel about that? <laughs> well, we, we, there's reasons to do that, and I'm not saying we would never consider having another meeting. But we've noticed when we came back from lockdown, you guys here regathered far faster than we did in Putno. Quite dramatically. You, you reconnected. And, we, and we're thinking, well, I, it's probably because of Tim and Hudson's leadership. That's probably the, the reason. But we actually felt there was, there was other reasons that God was bringing to our attention. One of the things that you have here that we didn't have, we do now, praise God, there wasn't that sense of community as a congregation. There was a real sense, and is a real sense of connection to you as a people. Whereas on the other side, we had a 9 o'clock meeting, 11 o'clock meeting. They never met each other. There wasn't that sense of we're on a journey together. It was people attended a meeting. And so we felt the identity of who we were was different. And so we thought God has been talking to us about who we are as a community. And so we're not looking to go to two meetings in Putnam, but equally we're not looking to go to two meetings here. It could happen just because of numbers get so crazy we've got to do something. But our heart is that we want to plant 
another site or sites rather than multiply meetings. Because we do believe God's growing us and see God's growing us and we don't want to minimize all that God wants to do amongst us. So we see this, the benefit of the community. I mean, when there's two meetings, it's, it's a killer. You have the band turn up at 7 o'clock and they, they play all morning, it feels like. And it makes Sunday such an energy sapper that we want to move away from that. We don't want it to all be, be about Sunday. There's some people playing the band uh, uh, who, who know this is true. Uh, we also... Uh, want to make sure that all our focus isn't Sundays because we believe in community life. Do you understand? And so that's the thinking. But also there's missional reasons. There's other parts of Bedford and surrounding area which we would never reach, never serve, uh, if we just opened up another meeting in one of our localities. And so we're thinking, actually, the, the way forward is to multiply sites, not meetings. That's the plan. That's how we feel God is leading us. And uh, we have no plans to do that. You know, there's no dates. There's no location. In fact, there's no leader that's assigned. We feel God has said so much, but we really are asking, Lord, would you lead us in this? And so tonight, as, as Connie mentioned, there's a prayer meeting for us all, 7 o'clock on the Putnam venue, Dover Crescent. Uh, love you to join us. And one of the things we're praying to God is, please lead us in this. Where's next? Now, we have great relationship with the other churches in the town, and we meet, meet the different leaders very regularly. I was with some of them this week. And, uh, and so God is doing all sorts of things through many churches. So we're just part of God's picture, but we do see the benefit of having that sort of approach. Number six, we're looking to plant churches as well as planting sites. I'm already talking to other leaders that are connecting to, to, to me, uh, who are looking to plant into Leighton Buzzard. Uh, one is in Cardiff, looking to plant a church into Cardiff. Dawn and I actually do a coaching, online coaching course called Multiply. I don't have any many creative ideas when it comes to name. Basically, Multiply is everything for me. And so we have Multiply. And so Dawn and I do this coaching. We're also looking, for, looking at one. We're praying into for North, North Luton, sort of Lee Grave area. And so God is already beginning to bring church planting and church planters onto um, the horizon. And lastly, number six, we believe God's calling us to send and plant churches in the nations. As someone once said, can't remember who they were, reach Bedford and you reach the world. Is that what it was, Tim? And so we're still living with that. That's something that Tim, uh, God said to Tim and Catherine when they moved to Bedford. And so we believe God's given us a big vision. Uh, and we want to catch hold of this Antioch church. And all that God used this remarkable Antioch church. My goodness, the, 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 how God used them. And then you get these prophetic words. You think, okay, God wants to build a particular type of community. Community that's on mission together. But a community that builds a legacy for the future. Amen? Okay. You've done very well. There's a lot of information, I realize. Now, there is one more thing. That we thought this would be the, the, the moment to share this. And uh, this is really just, a, 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 there's an insert into your booklet, which will give details on this as well. But we thought this, we wanted to chance an opportunity to share with the church where, how we were financially. Uh, it's been an interesting, interesting, that's very English, isn't it? You know, when English, Englishman says interesting, they mean very challenging. You know, that it's been a very challenging last couple of years. And so in all sorts of areas, personally and corporately. So we just wanted to share where we're up to. 
Uh, and so this is like a little finance summary um, as of September this year, as of this month. Uh, so if I can just read you through this and just say a few things. So we wanted to update everyone. The first thing is this. Uh, giving, we're, we're funded by one another, as probably you would know. There's no outside uh, uh, resource. So giving drops by around 10% during the pandemic. However, helpfully, our costs dropped at a similar level. So we saw that drop, which, which all churches experienced, uh, but, but actually our costs for a number of reasons, dropped at similar levels. The good news is, and this is really is good news, that our giving has now recovered to pre-pandemic levels. So where our, our revenue went down, it has now recovered, uh, which is a real praise God moment. And we're very, very grateful uh, to you and, and to God for, for, for that recovery. We are now at what were the 2019 numbers. So our monthly giving is now at 2019 end of 2019 uh, numbers, just, just, I know it seemed a long time ago, that's just before the pan pandemic. However, uh, this is of course lower than we had anticipated. So our giving over the last 10 years has been on average plus 4% every year, roughly. Uh, and of course, then it hit 2019 pandemic and, and, and we've recovered to where we were, but it's where we were in 2019. So obviously, the, if you did it as a graph, you can see that we're, we're particularly, you know, lower than, than where we had expected to be. This year, to 2022, was always planned to be a bump in our costs due to, due to the planned overlap of some staffing positions. Uh, now, but we've been preparing good reserves for this, established over many years to help us to cover these extra costs. So the last year has been a, a bump year, an expensive year, but that's something we always anticipated and we've got reserves that en enabled us to cover that. Uh, however, as we look forward, the impact of two global financial shocks, the pandemic followed by the cost of living crisis, and our income versus costs are now not looking too healthy. We still have reserves of around £86,000, which is money that's available to us to use, which massively helps us. But we will need, we think, need to see an increase in our giving over the next year, two years. So we're okay, we're not sharing we're in a crisis moment because we've got reserves, but, but actually we would need to see uh, that change going forward, we believe. Now, let me just say, we understand that these are very challenging times for us all. And in some cases, some of you, please hear me, some of you actually, the right thing to do is to decrease your giving. Your financial situation is changing, and so you need to adjust accordingly. We, we, we totally get that. Totally. So please feel very released, and uh, giving is about grace. It's about what you believe God has said to you about. So please, please hear that. Um, we completely understand that. In fact, some, for their own circumstances, may have to, the right thing might be to stop giving. Do you understand? So please hear, hear our heart in this. We just wanted to be open about the picture. But in light of that, therefore, our sense is that, if you like, those with the broadest shoulders, those who are most financially secure, might be in a position to review their giving at this time. It's really interesting, the words in the church in Antioch, I don't know if you saw, but it said something like, they gave as they were able there's something about, about as God blesses people in many different ways, 
Uh, we give out of what God has blessed us. We give of our time because God's blessed us with time or talents. It's all sorts of ways. Like the person I bumped into, they, they can do this and this and this. And so they give out of all that God's gifted them. For some, God blesses them financially more than others. And so they gave as they were able. And so we believe in proportionate giving here. And so uh, we would encourage those, if you like, with the broader shoulders, I guess you know what I mean, uh, to particularly to review that. Um, we will, of course, be reviewing our costs. Uh, I've been, Kevin actually is chair of trustees, so Kevin and I have been meeting to talk particularly about this. And so there's, there's, there's all sorts of things that we want to try and do. Churches don't tend to run with a lot of slack. Uh, you know, we don't store up, you know, lots of, you know, we God, people give and we, we believe people give for the mission. So, so that, but there may be some things that we can, uh, we, can, we can do. I'm sure there are. That would be the, if you like, the right thing to do, the prudent thing to do. And so we're very involved in going through every area to do all that we can. What we reckon, and this is a bit of a, just to give you a bit of a feel, we reckon an increase between 4 and 5% coupled with an injection of one-off gifts of around 30 to 40,000 pounds this year would make a significant difference. In fact, I put more numbers in, your, in the sheets. Uh, but just to give you a feel for where we are. That won't mean we're out of the woods, but it would put us in a far stronger position as we look through the next few years. Uh, really encourage you to pray about this and seek God for this. Uh, we're going to be having a family meeting, which we have every so often, where we can get some more details on this. I realise we don't have the time to do it in a lot of detail today, but we can do that. We'll do that in a family meeting this term. We'll release that date shortly. Uh, but it's also time to pray and say, God, we trust you, uh, and we believe God has spoken. You know, this is this is it's like a challenge. You know, that word that David prayed. I mentioned we we, we have problems on either side, but we believe God's on the move. You know, it's the best of times, but it's the worst of times. It's like these things are all happening. So we're trusting God, but we're being real about the challenges uh, and believing that he will lead us in this. We know that God's spoken clearly to us prophetically. It's not a time to say, whoa, hold back. It's a time to be sensible, but also we want to make sure that we trust God as we move forward in faith together. Is that all right? Amen. So you have been very attentive. Let me ask you to stand. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.